Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Today, Terry James will begin a brand new series on worlds in collision and the rebirth of liberty. Bible prophecy, end times events, what does it all mean and how do we as Christians respond to the chaos that is all around us? Find out at one of our upcoming prophecy conferences. August 11th and 12th, Bill Federer leads a lineup of speakers ready to bring clarity to the chaos in Colorado Springs. On Saturday, September 30th, we'll have a special one-day conference in Des Moines, Iowa, featuring Michael Hoggard, Greg Patton, Larry Stamm, Micah Van Huss, and Josh Davis. Our largest conference of the year will be a massive three-day conference in Columbus, Ohio, October 26th through the 28th. Over a dozen speakers, including our special keynote speaker, Jonathan Kahn. Registration for these conferences is open. Call 1-800-652-1144 and reserve your spot. Seats are filling up. Don't miss your opportunity to hear Jonathan Kahn live in person. Visit the events page of our website, swrc.com. We want to see you at these upcoming conferences. The complete lineup of speakers, topics, and schedules are found at swrc.com. Simply click on events or give us a call, 1-800-652-1144. Everywhere we look, there is an existential danger just waiting to upend centuries of civilization building. And it's not just the growing potential for nuclear war hanging over everyone's heads these days that is problematic. It's the general departure from common sense we see from top to bottom. Here's our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino, and author Terry James to look at these colliding worlds. We live in the most unusual of times. In fact, the Bible calls it perilous times. And it is not just the growing potential for nuclear war that is hanging over our heads that is a problem. It is the general departure from common sense. Even our president recently said, quote, transgender people shape our nation's soul, close quotes. So what does it all mean? What's coming very soon? Well, a new world order. Our guest today is the dear friend and brother in Christ, Terry James. Terry is an author and general editor He is co-author of more than 30 books on Bible prophecy and geopolitics, hundreds of thousands of which have been sold worldwide. Terry, it's really great to have you back on the show with us today. Yeah, Larry, we go back a long way, don't we? And thanks be to the Lord, and it's always a privilege to be on with you. Well, you do a tremendous job in in in-depth studies. You are... I guess the main author of The New World Order, Worlds in Collision and the Rebirth of Liberty. It's a tremendous book, Terry James and Pete Garcia. I know you love the uh, pre-trib rapture. I do too. Does the rapture of the church help or hinder the formation of the New World Order? I think it does both because the build-up to the rapture is the church is still here. We are I think, uh, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, of course, and uh, the Holy Spirit is a restrainer. In that sense, I think that uh, the church being here, uh, as a building up toward the rapture, the church being here as a restrainer is really helping prophecy to be fulfilled because everything is moving toward that new world order and toward the tribulation. The people uh, 
who are doing that are being allowed to do it, but they're being allowed to do it in a restrained manner while the church is still here. Once the rapture happens, it's going to, uh, all of a sudden, everything is going to collapse, I believe. And then this new world order will come flooding in. So I think the rapture both helps in, in the sense that it, uh, the church is holding uh, holding back evil uh, at the moment, but once it happens and the, the church is gone and the rapture, well then, of course, everything comes flooding in. That's kind of my take on it. Why do you think that God chose the rapture as the mechanism of the deliverance for his people? To make a statement about why God does anything is kind of touchy because we don't know all the details. But obviously he has chosen the church to be here at this time, and he's chosen the rapture, I believe. is going to be the thing that pierces this, this thing that brings everything down and collapses this whole world system. And let's Antichrist, let Satan have his way for a time. So why he chose to do that is really uh, probably far beyond uh, your or my right. ability to, to know or understand. But, but the thing we can observe, I think, those who are spiritually attuned and, and look at things from the pre-trib view of prophecy, I can see that this is definitely what's happening, that the rapture's key. I think anybody who looks at things from the pre, pre-trib view uh, has to see that the rapture's key. And I personally don't see anybody can see it any other way. Right. Where do we see the New World Order? Now, not just in the world. We see it certainly in the world. But where do we see it in the Scripture? I know the Scripture tells us a lot about a coming together, about false teachers, about apostasy, about all those things. But where in particular do we see this beast called the New World Order? Revelation chapter 13 lays out uh, the coming of the first uh, beast and the second beast. Of course, the first beast being the Antichrist, he comes up out of the sea, and uh, a sea of people, we believe. And, of course, so we, we think that the false prophet being the second beast, uh, the religious portion of um, of the beast system, comes up out of the land. And a lot of people think that that will be a apostate Jewish person of some sort. We see the development of the New World Order because... Uh, Daniel chapter 2, the prophet, the prophet Daniel told us that there was going to be a time come when ten kings are on the earth, and from those ten kings are going to come up the little horn, which would be the Antichrist. So we see he developed in general in, in that sense. So I see Revelation chapter 13 and Daniel chapter 2, probably the two of the key places. What, what do you see in that regard? I think I see uh, the fact that we have increasing evil. We see the spirit of Antichrist, which is the spirit of control. And I see a lot of control today. The fact that we are under surveillance, cell phones, cameras everywhere. The fact even now that I think we have a president who is a control freak. I don't think he he understands liberty and freedom as our founders, uh, founders of our beautiful, wonderful republic really envisioned. We see many things right now, and we see a coming together. We see false religion. People say, well, as long as you love somebody, it's okay. It doesn't matter. We're all saved. We're all going to heaven. God's not angry, on and on and on. I think all of that deception is very, very evident. In the World Economic Forum, of course, this is key to uh, all these developments. I think we see uh, happening here with Klaus Schwab and and these people. George Soros, all these uh, One World, these New World Order people, we see it developing at a very rapid pace, and yet there's still that restraint. Uh, they, they try things, and they, they've got to collapse the United States. That's obvious. 
They've done right. everything they can to to collapse this country, to do away with sovereignty and so forth. And, and God has not let that happen yet, which is somewhat encouraging uh, to me from the standpoint of looking forward to the rapture. Well, our guest is Terry James. He and Pete Garcia have done a thorough job of bringing the latest information on the New World Order to their readers. The title of the book, New World Order, Worlds in Collision and the Rebirth of Liberty, our toll-free number, 1-800-652-1144. Terry, while it's not possible to know the identity of the Antichrist prior to the rapture of the church, is it possible to see, for example, the ten kings uh, begin to ascend to power? Do we see signs there of that happening and a coming together in that sense? Yeah, I think the World Economic Forum, for example, again, is trying to bring in these ten kings. And I don't think, personally, I, I don't believe they will be allowed to uh, completely form until after the rapture of the church. Now, here again, this is Terry James talking, and this is strictly a, a postulation on my part. Again, I think that the, the United States, and I know, you know, we, we're deserving of judgment and all these things, but it's so obvious to me, at least, that this country has been used to hold back a lot of this. And until they can collapse the United States, they're not going to be able to bring in their one world order, their, their globalist, total globalist domination. So I think the rapture is going to take care of a lot of that, and that's why I believe that the Ten Kings will not be allowed to fully come to uh, power until after this nation has collapsed. And then when the Holy Spirit's gone and, and the spirit of Antichrist is rampant, and unchecked, basically, then I think that's what, what is going to happen. Revelation 17, verses 13 and 17, speak about these ten kings being of one mind. What are they of one mind about? Their mind is to come back to Babel. <laughs> Same thing that the ancients, the ancients tried under Nimrod. They want to bring one world. They want to be gods. They want to be as right. gods, right. particularly the leaders do. And the one mind that they have is the same mind that Satan had when he uh, spoke to Eve, said, Yay, as God said, <laughs> right. you can be his gods. And that's the one mind they are of is Satan. <laughs> well, Terry, we know that the topics of the last days, you know, we're talking about that right now. Your book deals with it. All of this can be exceedingly terrifying, to say the least. But why are the last days also a source of infinite hope for the Christian? Titus 2.13, Jesus coming back. Christians today, that's the reason it's so important, I think, for the pastors to teach Bible prophecy. Not only teach it, but teach it correctly from from the pre-trib view. Uh, That is a correct view, and and that's the only view that uh, you can tell the people in your pews can offer them great hope and encouragement, because those who look around, around, most Christians, I have to say, they, they don't worry about anything. They live from day to day. They just want to, you know, <laughs> take their children to their sporting events and all this. But those who care look around at them, and they're troubling to them. What in the world is going on? The pastors need to tell them that the reason the pre-tribute is so important, the reason that the rapture is so important, is because Jesus is going to call the church home, the people home, before it gets so bad. As Jesus said, it would be the worst time that ever was or ever will be at the midpoint of this tribulation. And before the tribulation is even underway, Christ is going to call the church, and that means all born-again believers, out. And so that's the hope we have, Jesus. 
Amen. I believe we have a blessed hope, not a blasted hope. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Yeah, we're, we're not looking for the Antichrist or anything of that sort. For Jesus Christ, yeah. Terry, what is the real new world order? What kind of changes will it impose on all creation? Of course, we go through the world orders. The first one was what? The, the created imperfection, wasn't it? And then you had Satan enter in and all that, and then you had the antediluvian rebellion. God destroyed that. Then you had the, after the flood and everything, you had the uh, Nimrod and uh, the Tower of Babel and all that. And then since that time, that was scattered in. Of course, I think since 1945, 46, the world has started back rebuilding this Babel thing. And it's going toward the final world order. That's going to be the most wonderful order of all. Once this uh, tribulation is out of the way and this old world order, all of it, the Babylonian system is destroyed, as it says in Daniel chapter 2. When that stone strikes that image on the feet, it all collapses. Then Christ is the one who is that stone, and he's coming back to rule and reign, and that will be the new world, or the millennium. The thousand years reign of Jesus Christ on earth, uh, he'll rule with a rod of iron, and yet he'll be the most benevolent dictator ever, and be the only governor that's ever governed perfectly in this world. The new world order we're looking for is a millennial reign of Jesus Christ atop Mount Zion. Terry, the uh, gentleman who wrote the foreword, his name is Mondo Gonzalez, makes a, a really uh, uh, perceptive statement, and I want to read it. You're a conspiracy theorist, close quotes. And he says, have you ever been called this when you are trying to share with someone the need for discernment? Now, by the way, I've had that experience. We're trying to help people be discerning, and right away they frown, they say, you're a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, it happens all the time. And he says, this is a well-known phrase intended to shame or distract someone from a real discussion based on evidence and reason. Now, Terry, I'm sure you've been called a conspiracy theorist. I've been called a conspiracy theorist many, many times. Why is it that what we're talking about is not a theory? That's the reason, in my opinion, that Bible prophecy is so very important. You can go down through history and even the secularists, the secular historians who who are really atheists, well, some of them, they will look at things like some of the things Isaiah wrote and Daniel wrote, and they will say, this couldn't be, this had to be written after the fact. But history will show that these things were written before it occurred, they occurred. And I mean, can, a study proves it, and they can't deny it. God knows how to tell the future in to such minute detail. For example, give the details of Jesus as being crucified and so forth, and his coming back and, and all that. If God can give this kind of, this kind of a facts, well, Bible prophecy is, is a way to show these people that this is not theory. This is fact. We can prove it historically and biblically. A lot of these things that uh, even stuns the people, the historians, who, who just can't can't quite grasp that the deity has given us this this great uh, instruction manual for mankind. And so I think the Bible, prophecy, and these sort of things is exactly uh, the answer to this. This is why it's not just theory, it's truth. And we can we can look back, and, and if being born again, we know these things in our spirit. So those kinds of um, condemnations and things said against us don't really hold water with us. Right. I I would agree. And certainly, if you look at the history of the world, if you look at the history of warfare, there have always been conspiracies, lies. 
the two contestants always have agendas, right? They want to accomplish something, and we know Satan wants to accomplish something. He's busy at work destroying people, bringing lies, seeking to destroy the testimony of Jesus Christ and so forth. So, I mean, conspiracy is a part of life. And, of course, if you're living in a la-la land where there's no struggle, then there's no conspiracy. But obviously, there is struggle. There is continual warfare, different views, criticisms. You've got conservatives, liberals, people who think they're really bright and they really aren't. So there is a conspiracy. And I, I, you know, when people say, well, you're a conspiracy theorist, that's nonsense. There is a conspiracy. There is a great conspiracy, yeah. It's a good versus evil. You know, that's God versus Satan. And, uh, of course, we know who wins that one. Right. How does a future global war, now, not a little war here and there between the Hootsies and the Tutsis and stuff like that, but a future global war, how does that fit into Bible prophecy? The great global war that's going to be, of course, will be uh, Armageddon. We've seen so much war. That, that's really, you know, Jesus said there would be wars and rumors of wars. And, of course, he's the greatest of all prophets because he is God. When Jesus said there'd be wars and rumors of wars, he wasn't just talking about some skirmishes or that's going to be throughout history. Right. I believe he was talking about a specific time because he was asked, you know, what will be the sign of that coming? Right. And I believe he was talking about a specific, really ratcheted up time of wars and rumors of wars. Right now we have what the Russia-China thing going on in the South China Sea and Ukraine. We have uh, Iran and all the nations now beginning to threaten, uh, in their surrounding, beginning to threaten Israel. And so we, we have more than enough to, uh, threat there. And, of course, Putin is threatening to turn loose the nukes wow. and all of this kind of stuff. So we have some serious times. I believe Jesus was talking about this is the wrap-up of uh, this age. Amen. The Great War, though, and there's Gog Magog building uh, above Israel, but the Great War is... Uh, there's, of course, a war of Satan versus God, and that's going to come to a culmination at the killing fields of Armageddon, in which uh, Jesus, I believe, will simply speak the word, and it'll be over when we're returning with him. I believe he will say, Larry, I believe he'll say like he did on the Sea of Galilee. I believe he'll just say, peace, be still, yes. and that's the end of it. Right. In that great war, there's no struggle. <laughs> it's just, no, it's, no, not no, a, it's not a contest at all. Well, thank you, Terry, for this interview. Keep up the good work, the writing, and uh, we are also planning a show with your uh, co-author, Pete Garcia. So thanks very much. Yeah, I can't wait to hear that one. God bless. New World Order, Worlds in Collision and the Rebirth of Liberty by Terry James and Pete Garcia is our featured resource today. Order your copy by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. New World Order shows the disturbing details of those obsessed with merging ancient paganism into modern technology to excise God's created order via the Great Reset. New World Order, Worlds in Collision and the Rebirth of Liberty by Terry James and Pete Garcia. Available today when you call 1-800-652-1144. Micah Van Huss studies the biblical mysteries, UFOs, the Watchers, the world before the flood. All of these marginal mysteries point us to the truth of Scripture. Today, Micah is looking at the reports of giants in modern-day Afghanistan. We know that giants existed because Scripture says so. 
But a more intriguing question is, do giants exist today? The apocryphal book of Enoch tells of the giants that corrupted Elohim's creation before the great flood of Noah. The first two verses of the book tells the reader that they will not understand what's contained in the book, but that the last generation, the generation of the great tribulation, will understand what's contained in the book. Yes, we have seen people with gigantism, but that's not what I'm asking. Folks such as Robert Wadlow and Chang Wu Gao are recorded as modern-day giant humans. Modern gigantism is usually a result of ailments that cause excessive production of HGH, or human growth hormone. In some cases, it's because of tumors in the brain. In almost every instance today, these giants have severe health problems and often die at young ages. The giants in Scripture are warriors and mighty men of valor. The gigantism in Scripture is hereditary. The giants in Scripture are mentioned as having six fingers on each hand and foot. 2 Samuel chapter 21, verse 20 reads, And there was yet a battle in Gath, where was a man of great stature, that had on every hand six fingers, and on every foot six toes, four and twenty in number, and he also was born to the giant. Are there any of these scriptural giants still living today? There are multiple reports within the last 20 years of giants being seen in Afghanistan by U.S. troops. Keep in mind that in that region of the world near Mongolia, we have many reports of giants and even the 1922 picture of the almost eight-foot-tall Andor Gongor. Afghanistan is most definitely a place out of time. On my deployment to Afghanistan, I was able to visit one of Alexander the Great's castles, the Herat Citadel, dates to 330 B.C. Once during my deployment to Afghanistan, I flew from Kabul to Herat, on my low-flying aircraft's flight, I remember seeing nothing but rugged, bare mountains as far as I could see. I took a 45-minute nap, and when I woke up, I was still looking at bare mountains as far as I could see. Though I didn't see any giants myself, it was obvious to me that mankind likely had not set foot on those mountains ever. One unknown U.S. soldier recounts his experience of seeing a 12-foot giant on one mountain near Kunar, Afghanistan. His story reads, My lieutenant gave me a new thermal imaging system called the Recon 3 that none of us were familiar with and told me to figure out what I can and pass along the information to the other team leaders. I started messing with the Recon 3 to see its capabilities and was surprised at the clarity of the zoom on it. I spent most of my time messing with the different functionalities and watching the village. I started to look across the valley to what I could see, and that led me to look along the spur where we set in on and saw a very large heat signature at the top of one of the false peaks. I did everything I could to get as clear as an image as I could, suspecting that it was a group of Taliban huddled together around a light as they tend to do in the mountains. All of a sudden, the heat signature stood up as one being. The trees in that area grew up to about 10 to 12 feet tall, and this thing was at least as tall, if not taller, than the trees that surrounded it. It started taking steps parallel to my position and was covering ground quickly with ease. Its stride was slow and relaxed, yet it moved with incredible speed. That led me to believe that this creature was gigantic. I didn't tell many people about it while I was in and even when I got out, I kept it to myself, thinking there was no way I saw what I saw. 
But then in 2010, I listened to a story on Coast to Coast, specifically the story about the giant of Kandahar. That made all these memories of my time in service come flooding back and made me consider other things I saw during that deployment. For instance, the creature was described as having fiery orange hair, and it reminded me of the tradition the locals in the area of my sighting would do. They would dye their hair bright orange color and even would dye their goats the same color. They never gave any explanation why. It seemed that every once in a while they would do this, and then all of a sudden those orange dyed goats would be gone, and the locals' hair would be also no longer dyed orange. I assumed maybe it was a cultural thing I didn't understand, but now it makes me wonder if that was some kind of gesture to the creature, or Nephilim, or if the goats were sacrificed to it. I am a Christian, and the Bible briefly discusses the men of renown, a.k.a. the Nephilim. I think that's what I saw, a member of an ancient race of giants that descended from fallen angels. Or it could be something like Sasquatch. I'm not sure. That's the end of his story, but before we talk about the giant of Kandahar, I'll back up some of what the soldier is saying. Indeed, in my 2006 sniper platoon deployment in Fallujah, Iraq, I was given a thermal scope myself. Now, we have five teams. We only have one thermal scope, so each team got to take the scope on different missions, so we didn't always get it. So every time that our team got the thermal scope, I always asked to use it and stay up all night and see what I could see because it was so amazing what you could see through the thermal scope. You could see the field mice running around in the fields 200 yards away. Now, back to these stories. Chief among the stories of the giants in Afghanistan is the giant of Kandahar. A special forces team came upon a cave high up on a mountain in Afghanistan. The ground around the cave was littered with bones, and a horrible stench was emanating from the cave. They got closer, and a 13-foot-tall red-headed man charged out of the cave and speared Dan, an unfortunate soldier. The soldiers quickly dispatched the giant and radioed it in. Upon further inspection of the corpse, the soldier said that he had six fingers on each hand and double rows of teeth. A Chinook helicopter flew in, picked up the giant in a net, and flew off with it. These soldiers were required to sign non-disclosure agreements. Now, that's easy for me to believe because I was required to sign a non-disclosure agreement for one of my missions in Fallujah. Steve Quayle is an author and radio host who hosted Survive to Thrive and Coast to Coast. He interviewed a pilot who flew a dead giant out of Afghanistan in 2005. Now, this giant of Kandahar was slain in 2002, meaning that these were not the same instance and that multiple giants had been killed by U.S. forces. L.A. Marzulli interviewed a soldier who told him of the rumors around the base in Kandahar about the giant. The soldier also participated in cave training, and he was instructed during that training to make sure that you aim high. In other words, if you're fighting a giant, you've got to shoot at the head. So is the story of the giants in Afghanistan mountains true? It's plausible. So be sure to follow Marginal Mysteries on YouTube, Facebook, or on any other of the popular platforms. We have other videos about giant remains found all over the world, particularly here in the United States. In one video, we discuss how American Indians greeted each other with the showing of the hands, and that was to see if you had six fingers or five on your hand. If you had six fingers, it meant that you had the traits of violence and bloodlust that always accompanied the descendants of the giants. Now, these are stories from Buffalo Bill to Old World Roots of Cherokee, a book about Cherokee heritage, finding giant bones in Tennessee. But these are fascinating stories of pictographs displaying six fingers drawn on rocks and in caves in the southwest United States. So be sure to follow Marginal Mysteries for more fascinating stories. 
Friends, be sure to order your copy of New World Order, Worlds in Collision and the Rebirth of Liberty by Terry James and Pete Garcia. Simply call 1-800-652-1144. Tomorrow, author Pete Garcia will share his insights on the New World Order. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by downloading our SWRC mobile app, or you can simply subscribe to our daily Watchmen on the Wall podcast. Watchmen on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported for over 90 years by faithful listeners like you. Please visit our website, swrc.com.